Welcome to another story podcast from The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder. And I'm Sarah Severson. We're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. Earlier this year, we had the pleasure of working with students from Southwest Open School in Cortez and Animus High School in Durango for a youth storytelling project called The Talent Tales. We really want to thank Nate Osgood at Southwest Open School and Allie Johnson at Animus High School for helping us with this project featuring the voices of youth across our communities. The story you're about to hear was told by Ramey Sporrell, who's a sophomore at Animus High School. She dreams of living in a van surrounded by redwoods, but who doesn't, she says. She believes that the glass is not half full nor half empty, but half full of emptiness. Here's Ramey's story. I'm a tall girl. I'm a tall girl. Beautiful people, beautiful faces. I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay, so, well, we all have these summer stories. Either it's going to this big Disneyland or just walking down the street to a little pond. But I know that my stories definitely top both of those combined. And so every summer from when I was like five to like 12 years old, I would go to this cool thing called a grandparent's house. And it wasn't your little cottage somewhere. It wasn't your little, you know, tiny home on a neighborhood with a little red fence and everything. It was this massive mansion on the top of this hill in Aspen that looked like a white brick in the middle of nowhere. And when you walked in, it had like this like weird like marble floor and white walls and it felt like you just entered this like spacecraft. And as a little 12-year-old little girl, I thought it was the coolest thing and I wanted it. Like I, that was my spacecraft that I was hopping into about to go to Saturn. And I remember all this like funky furniture, like this weird circle-shaped couch, and these weird squares in the living room, and we couldn't step on the carpet because it couldn't get dirty. Carpets weren't supposed to be stepped on, (laughs) and chairs weren't supposed to be sat in. (laughs) And so it was kind of this strange atmosphere every summer when I went up there, but luckily I wasn't alone. I was with my little squad as I like to call them, my cousins and my brother. And so at the time, I was 12, and my brother was 13. And then my cousin, Matilda, she was 15. And she was like my idol, dude. And then, of course, there was the head honcho, the leader, you know, of our little gang, my cousin Heidi, who was 19 at the time. And so she was like, you know, we had to bow down to her when she walked by. And so, you know, I was this kind of little hippie girl that loved going out and making these little like ground up flowers and dirt and stuff and I'd bring it up to my aunts and just be like, this is a love potion, I made it for you. And they would just look down and be like, great. And then as I ran out the door, they just like throw it away. And so then there was my brother who was this total like nerd and he brought in like three DSIs and he brought in little Game Boys and had all these cool things that we thought were so excellent. He was like, you know, the hacker of the group. And so (laughs) then after that we had my cousin Matilda, the 15 year old, my idol. And she would always walk around like. (laughs) And I was like, if there's such thing as a stoned model, that's who she was. <laughs> and she was like this little punk rock, you know, 1990s girl with this dyed pink hair that like flushed over both her eyes so she didn't have to see all the people she hated, you know. And she wore these little checkered skirts and everything. 
and I wanted to be just like her, you know? And then there was the 19-year-old, Heidi, this adventurer, this hero, this wonderful lady that had maps and globes, and she was going to travel the world, you know? And I feel like she is traveling the world right now. <laughs> and so we were this little gang of these goony-type-looking characters in this spaceship in the middle of Aspen. And so what were we going to do with our time? We were going to make this a different world. So we made up kingdoms and castles and lands with our imaginations. And my grandfather actually is an artist. So this creative blood was flowing through all of us. And we were so ecstatic to you know this was the light kingdom. This was the dark kingdom. This is where the flowers grow. This is where they don't. That orcs lived by, down by the studio. You know, There was wolves, and there was vampires, and there's all these crazy characters. And as a 12-year-old, it all felt so real to me. Like, it was my life every summer. I would go there, and we'd remember our characters. And I was this rainbow drinker lady, <laughs> and I had the power of water on my side. And so I had to continuously go inside the house, drink a cup of water, and come back, or my rainbow spirit would die. <laughs> so I was there. I'd be like, hold on a second, guys. We can't fight this dragon yet. And I would run into the kitchen, and then I'd like just pour this glass of water, drink, and then run back out. And we'd go on with our adventure again. And so we had this world, we had the characters, but we were missing one thing, and that was the villain. And we couldn't pick my grandfather, he was the king. We couldn't pick my grandmother, she was the queen. So we were stuck with looking in between. And what sat in between them was Ty. Now Ty is kind of a prodigy kind of guy with my grandfather who's learning from him and helping him and welding for him and building all these funky, psychedelic, cool things with him. And I, you know, immediately our attention was drawn to him because he wasn't a character yet. And he was this kind of strange guy, and I never really knew him that well. So he was perfect. He was a blank slate. He could be used. <laughs> and so we started looking for what he was, who he was. And he was like, he was hairy. He'd walk around the house barefoot. And I remember one day while me and like my little gang were playing hide and seek, me and Matilda were hiding underneath the sofa, one of the square shaped ones, the strange ones that we couldn't sit on, so we went underneath. <laughs> and we're playing hide and seek and Heidi comes running around the corner. She's like, guys, guys, come out of your hiding places. And we thought it was a trap because she's like, she's just gonna get us out. We can't come out. She's like, it's serious, it's real. This is real, guys. This is real adult stuff. And I already considered her adult. So this was crazy, dude. Like, she's adult stuff. And so we kind of followed her all out, me, my brother, and my two cousins. We all just followed Heidi out. And we got down to the studio. And there's this green dumpster. And that's Ty's dumpster for his, like, you know, wood and whatever. And she flings it open. And it's full of these strange slabs of meat or like foam-looking meat. It was meat, it, was, it smelled horrible. Like these giant waves of just disgusting stench was like going over us and it was just these, this meat locker, this dumpster full of all this raw meat. And we're like, ties up to some risky business here, ladies. <laughs> and <laughs> so we started taking pictures. We started writing down notes. We started creating this mystery, this like investigation net like network you know, DI network investigation. And it, it spiraled into this thing where if we were archers and princesses and mermaids, 
There was only one thing that Ty could be. He was hairy. He was tall. He was barefoot. He had meat. He was a werewolf, dude. <laughs> and we were 100% sure that he was a werewolf. <laughs> and so we had this journal labeled Ty the Werewolf. And we wrote his story for him. We took pictures of him when he went on his long walks. We'd follow him around the house. We gathered all the silverware out of the drawers. And like we're like, okay guys, if we need to, we can melt these down and put them to bullets, you know, we can do that. That's possible. <laughs> Just in case we had to, and like, we all slept in the studio, this big open studio with all this wonderful wooden artwork hanging from the ceiling, like a little cage around us. And there was these two big glass doors. And every night, one of us, the chosen one, had to stay up and be on the watch for Ty so we weren't his next victim because he started noticing, you know? He started noticing, you know, these loud, you know, teens and little children following him around wherever he went. So he started, like, noticing and looking back occasionally. And, like, I remember one of the photos is him going... <laughs> and so we're like... He knows, he knows, guys, he knows. <laughs> so we started staying up and waiting for him at the door. Of course, we never got anything. And my brother thought all, he was all professional with his little DS camera. And he's like taking pictures and everywhere. And he'd be like, look, guys, I got evidence. And like, we eventually built up so much that we had to bring it to my grandfather. So this was this long journey of collecting like a, at least 30 pictures, guys, 30 evidence shots, you know. <laughs> and these stories we written for him about what happened to all his ex-girlfriends and like, you know, what happens yeah. to all this, these, his hunting, his hunting meetings with some guys, you know, like what does that mean? <laughs> and we bring this all to my grandfather. And he's just looking over it, and he's like, this is pretty impressive. <laughs> this is pretty impressive. And he kind of is laughing about it, but he puts on this serious face. He's like, God, you guys might be right. <laughs> to kind of lead on our little minds that he was a werewolf, and it was pretty scary. <laughs> and so we run down, take him down to the dumpster. And of course, all of it would be gone, but we're like, it's still here, it's still here, it's still here. Trust me, the evidence is right here, dude. <laughs> and we open up this dumpster, and there's a bunch of little tiny metal camels. Just like in this dumpster, we're like, okay, we have meat, we have hairiness, we have barefootness, and we have camels. <laughs> and we don't really know what to do with that. And so that kind of totally made a goof out of our entire investigation. It was serious, and we just looked like a bunch of goobers just opening up this trash can full of metal camels. And so I know that my cousin still has this journal somewhere full of photos, full of stories, full of evidence, hardcore evidence that we could take to the FBI right now. Like, guys, I'm just telling you. And I have not seen this journal since. And you know what else I haven't seen since? Ty. <laughs> So I'd be kind of wary tonight, guys. You don't know where he is. I've exposed him to at least 80 people, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ramey, for telling that story. 
To hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share these stories with your friends. And to find out what the themes will be at upcoming events and to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to our website at ravennarratives.org, check out the events page, and then fill out the form on the contact page to pitch your story. The Raven Narratives also offers group and one-on-one storytelling services to support organizations and businesses. More on those services is also on our website. You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers there, taken by the incredible McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots Photography. Find out more about her photography services for shooting your portraits or special events at redscarfshots.com. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar, and you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org. Now for the outtake. <laughs> Do you have a story about water? Do you have a story about water? Yeah. It's just some simple. Okay. Yeah. All right. I have a story about water. A How personal has water story about shaped water. your life? <laughs> really? It's caused me to survive and float at times and also <laughs> ride on it in a boat. In a boat. Across great. the sea. Water's been great to I me. I drink. I hydrate. <laughs> I can cry. Oh, right. Water comes out of my eyes sometimes when I laugh or when I cry. It's kind of weird. It comes out other places.